Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our Young Professional Network partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor power equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Caparis from Include Software, Neil Glatt with Grow the Bench, and Brett Lemke from RM Landscape. He's back. What's I'm, going on, guys? <laughs> I'm back. Good Had to, to be back. One, Good to see y'all. Yeah, where were you? I was on vacation. No, a work. I was actually, I saw Bob, right? So it started off a two-week little adventure, a peer group meeting up in uh, the Northwest in the Portland area, and then came home, vacation with just the wife to the Cape, Cape Cod area, that, and then forth. So I missed you all. I well, missed you too. Sort of. like I mean, that was yeah, the Cape. Was, <laughs> yeah, the Cape was very capable and my, uh, my family and wife was more, was good, good company. Right. So yeah, sort of missed you guys. How about sort of? Yeah, we'll take that. I mean, uh, that's, uh, that's good enough. I'm glad you could get out and do that. That's refreshing. Mm, needed and, and, and helpful and highly recommended. Good to know. <laughs> Well, we have a guest today. Brett, you want to do the intro? Sure do. Uh, we have got Bob Grover. Bob gra- graduated from Oregon State University, 1983. After 15 years working for the industry, Bob started Pacific Landscape Management in 2001. In 20 years, Pacific has grown the company to manage over 800 commercial properties with staff of 300. Pacific is the Northwest market leader in the commercial landscape management. Bob is landscape industry certified and a firm believer in the value of community and industry association membership and involvement. He is the past president of Oregon Landscape Contractor Association and former chair of the Hillsborough Chamber of Commerce. Bob is going to be our incoming president with NALP and his industry becomes more sophisticated and adapts to the needs to reduce environmental impact. Pacific is an industry leader in development and provisions of sustainable landscape services. They have been developing programs for water conservation, reducing chemical use, lower emissions, and the maintenance of green roofs, rain gardens, and biosoils. Pacific has strives to honor and develop their team, and the great, the great team produces great results and p- pleases their clients, enhances their service, grows, and maintains profitability, with a strong saying as we are Team Orange. Welcome, Bob. How are you? I am great today. Thank you. Nice to see you last week. I'm not sure I said that we are Team Orange with enough enthusiasm. How would you say it to your team? Well, I think we just say it like you did. We are oh. Team Orange. We're not trying to be too boastful. <laughs> okay, this isn't a sports team. This is a culture. Yes. And Orange is a prevalent brand part to the company. Logos, apparel. I actually think most of the things you own is in Orange. So, Well, I get, yeah, people will see me in a blue shirt and go, where's your orange well i i do have other colors than orange that i wear where did the orange come from did you just like it quick a quick interesting story i spent those first 15 years working for another company that was started by a couple of university oregon oregon ducks and i wore a green uniform and drove a yellow truck for 15 years and it got to be our brand we were those guys in the ugly yellow truck so when i started my company i said i gotta have a brand i have to have a color and I chose, uh, I'm an Oregon State beaver. So I, I was able to um, repress all of that hostility of wearing uh, green and driving a yellow truck for 15 years. And I've had orange for 20. So I've, I've made up for it. There you go. True, true spirit, uh, team spirit there too. So it, yeah, it cuts both, right? So you can, uh, and I, but I ha- imagine you have also the other university that is up in, Oregon that are employed by you? Is that in which you're... I actually have on staff, very proud to say that I have nine Oregon State University Hort grads. I do have three University of Oregon grads on my staff as well. So we are, you know, keeping the right ratio going. <laughs> we, the, uh, and, and it is a bit of a rivalry up there. Just being up there with you, it's a, you experience that that is one of those hometown rivalries it seems yeah it's a lot of fun well thanks for coming on and i i you know the most exciting news i think for us as nlp and professionals is your your turn time and tenure coming in as president what what gets you excited about that well it it's a, a very rewarding and honoring experience to to do that i i've been involved in the industry for 
probably 35 years. I'm trying to think the, my first exposure was going to, and I'm not even sure what we called it, uh, you know, the landscape show, uh, probably in 1987. Um, and I have gone to uh, that show maybe all but one or two years over the last 35. Um, I was involved uh, earlier back in the day, we used to have an exterior council and an interior council, and I was on the exterior council for a while, and, and I've been on, you know, most of the committees over these years, and and um, just when I had the opportunity to to join the board four years ago, that was that was an honor. And when asked if I wanted to um, go into the leadership role, uh, I wanted to be somebody like Brett. Um, and <laughs> it, you know, just just a tremendous honor. I've, I've very very dedicated to uh, the expansion of the professionalism of our in our industry, and have been very very excited to be involved. Uh, locally as well as nationally on on helping push the envelope on what we can do and what we can be. So I, you know, it's, I would say it's going to be one of the things that is one of the proudest moments of my career is to have this opportunity and, and have the, um, the trust and respect of, of the leadership of NALP to, to trust that with me for a year. Agreed. It's uh, I, to your point, it's a, I think a lot of people have heard say it's the best opportunity to give back to the association that does, even though it's a, you know, a, a regarded position within our association and, and a lot of responsibility. It's a, I think the most humble folks that are the ones that say this is just the highest level of being able to give back in time and effort and, and certainly takes the time and effort as a part of that. So, well, cool. When is that? When's the official kickoff of that? That is in October? At, at the landscape show in October. All right. Fantastic. Is there, are there plans that go along with that? Like in your, in your head, like, is there like a target agenda that you like you, that you want to, that you bring into the board or you, you see yourself, like, what does that actually look like on a day-to-day in your head? Like, what do you think? I've been on the executive committee for two years now. So, um, you know, we meet uh, bi-weekly on a, on a conference call, on a zoom call. Um, so I, I'm been very, very involved in, um, working with and supporting uh, Britt in, in his work. And, and also, I, I feel like that I, I am probably not going to be necessarily more involved. You know, are there initiatives that I'm wanting to focus on? There's a variety of things that, that we're looking at. Uh, you know, it's interesting times. Um, coming off of a COVID year, COVID year and a half, it's really impacted the organization, the association, really a trade association. Um, we do a lot of things, but probably the predominant thing that we do is get people together. And we've not been able to do that for a year and a half. And there's been a lot of things that we've done to try to restructure. A lot of our revenue of the association comes from those get together. So trying to figure out how we can still be viable and still support all the things that, uh, that the, uh, the, the shows support. Um, so just trying to get back into getting back to where we are, where we want to be, where we need to be, um, that's going to be a big focus. I think we've got a good plan and it looks like the, uh, uh, the virus and, and the vaccinations and all the things we're doing is going to help uh, work on that. So you know, returning to live events is going to be a, a big focus. We're also planning a new show. So this is the last year that we'll be uh, in Louisville uh, with partnering with OPEI. So uh, I've been a chair of the committee to help plan uh, the new show starting in 2022. So very excited about, gives us an opportunity to get back to getting around the country, which is what we wanted to do. Um, and maybe a little bit less focus on the trade show and back to more focus on uh, the program and the networking. So really excited that, you know, opportunity to, to make new. So what are some of the new things that we can do that, that we have a blank slate? So very excited about that. Um, I, Personally, probably my biggest focus or initiative, having been president of the Oregon Landscape Contractors Association, it was always just this odd feeling when I'm with them um, and there's discussions about NALP of how far apart we are in communication and support and working together. And um, I'm really, really hoping that we can forge better partnerships with state associations and work collaboratively on stuff. When you think about it, um, you know, we have, you know, 2,500 members. And if you add up all of the state associations, there's probably 40,000 companies across the country that are involved in some association. 
And the power of getting all those people together um, is really, really strong. And, and we have some different objectives based on what parts of the country we're in, but we're still in the end of the day, we're one. And I uh, would really love to figure out and feel how to feel like we're trusting and supporting each other. So, um, you know, I've talked a lot with Britt over that and we've got some objectives of trying to reach out. And um, I think NALP has done some things wrong and there's just created some unfortunate lack of trust and, and we need to go together and work to figure out how we can support the state association so they consider us our, their partners. So that's, that's probably my biggest objective. And then, you know, maybe the last piece is there's a lot of challenges within our industry um, legislatively, um, nationally, as well as the, within the states. And that's becoming a bigger and bigger piece of what we need to do is help protect our ability to continue on. And I think there's some things that we need to do to adapt as, as organizations. Um, but there's also some things we need to do to fight to maintain our ability to do the things that, that we need to be able to do. So um, that's Top of my head, those are the kind of list of things that I'm going to be working yeah, on. He's got 12 months, no problem. You get it all done. Get it, get it, well, it a lot of this stuff has been underway, so it's not like these are new objectives. This is a lot of that stuff has been happening before and after uh, my year. Well, I, I love your idea of getting closer with state associations because I, I work with a lot of them and um, they have such limited resources, they have some really great ideas. And I think the whole industry is better off when we can share um, what we already have, right? It doesn't require a whole lot more um, investment, but, but really sharing best practices and, and resources that already exist. So um, when you have a, a committee or an opportunity, definitely put my name down, Bob. I'm down for that one for sure. Well, thank you for saying that and appreciate that because uh, that is one of the things that we need to do. And it's one thing for uh, Bob to be able to go to the Oregon Landscape Contractors Association and say, hey, how can we work together? How, by the way, my name is Bob Grover and I'm from Oregon. Um, they know me, um, but we're trying to reach out to, it'd be nice to have a champion that knows people in these other state associations. I think a lot of the problem is just lack of knowledge that you know, a lot of times we're afraid of the boogeyman and sometimes NALP is the boogeyman. Well, when you get him out from under the covers, he's not so scary and actually he's our friend. So. Um, having somebody that can start the conversation is really, really going to help because honestly, we just want to help. And I think uh, for the amount of tasks that you listed, like again, right, you're, you're part of a team and we've got a lot of people thinking about these in good pieces there, but you are, uh, you stay on the move quickly. You, you multitask. And, you know, I think I, I see through, I think we were just talking about your LinkedIn, your points, this. So uh, if anybody's up for the task of doing a lots of things in a really fast time, it's you, Bob. So I'm, I'm excited to, to, to have you lead the way through this. Thank you. And yeah, Bob, oh, I was gonna say the company might be excited that you, oh, Bob, where's Bob? Ah, he's gone. Honestly, he's on the road I again. They're looking forward to Yeah. That. Yeah. There's some time away from Bob. <laughs> Bob, how do you keep track of your day then? What does your day-to-day -day look like right now um, running your business? Well, you know, that, that, that's kind of an interesting uh, piece of, um, you know, I, I, you know, I got to go back and say, first of all, thank you for inviting me to the Young Professionals Next Network podcast. I, I turned 60 at the end of this month and I'm a grandpa now and I'm feeling rather old. Um, <laughs> And, but uh, I'm still vital and still charged. Um, my wife retired a couple of years ago as a teacher. So we were starting to take advantage to travel a little bit more. And, you know, and honestly, um, you know, the, the COVID year and a half um, was a great challenge. But I think one of the things that we learned is, boy, Zoom and Teams are, are great. And we don't have to always be together. We can do stuff virtually. And I'm learning how I can do what I need to do and how I can support my team. I don't have to be at my desk every day. And honestly, that's, that's awesome. Um, being able to go to New York, I'll probably work a fair amount tomorrow <laughs> um, in my hotel room as I'm preparing for, for the weekend, but I'm really looking forward to do that. Um, mostly what my focus anymore is um, helping support my team and helping be that uh, that visual presence, you know, I spend a lot of time with uh, our key customers. Um, I don't manage anything, but letting them know that I'm there and that I'm a support and, and, you know, managing those relationships. And, you know, I try to get out to each of the branches 
if not weekly, every other week to show my support of our team and that, that I'm, I'm here for them. I try to stay out of their way when they're doing uh, important work, but I just want them to know that I'm watching and listening and supporting and doing what I can um, as leader of our organization or a, a leader within our, our, our profession of helping do the things that, that support the work that they do day in and day out. I think that's an important message, especially during the, the, some of the busiest times of the year for us, right? And we've got a lot of maybe just emerging companies or small businesses or, or just trying to figure out and um, like, man, all this work is just killing me. And where do I find balance and how can I? And, you know, in a testament, Bob's company, top 100 company, right? Or, and the idea of there's balance and I've been on a couple of chairlifts with you and we've been skiing and you've mm -hmm. done conference calls and talked to clients. And so, and even this past week gone, uh, I, and I was taking emails and taking the calls I wanted to, but I give my time to the company during my time off, but then I'll use during the day to do things that I need to for my family or my schedule. So it's a merger and a blend of it. And so it's just finding that balance somehow and being excited and, it doesn't take you a lifetime to do it, Bob. You've grown a fast company in a real quick time and it's given you a really good chance to, to you know, spread and that, out. That's an interesting thing. And, um, you know, along those lines of, you know, I, yeah, I work hard. Um, and I consider myself, um, if I'm awake, I'm working. But boy, I play a lot while I'm working as well. And being able to match the two. And I think there is, I believe this thing of, hey, I, I, I work so I can play. And, and I think, the two need to be able to go together and we need to have balance in our life. Doesn't mean I'm going to work less. It's just, I'm going to be very creative in how I work and I want to be able to have fun when I'm, while I'm working. And I want to be able to, um, you know, I, I might reply to an email at, you know, 1030 after the spring sheen show, because somebody emailed me in the evening during the spring sheen show. It doesn't mean that I'm clocking out till Monday. It means, I'm going to get back to you and I'm going to be available and I'm going to have fun and I'm not tied to my desk, but I'm still going to give everything to my job while I'm having fun at the same time. And I think the two need to go together and there doesn't need to be a separation. And, you know, the 30 hour work week sounds great, but um, I don't, I don't think you can pull off being successful in life if you don't have the ability and willingness to do what you need to do when you need to do it. But yeah, you know, at the same time the the term work-life balance never made a lot of sense to me because it implied this one-for-one -one relationship right or 50 percent um and somebody i don't know who but they're way smarter than i was introduced me to the term work-life integration and i was like that makes sense to me neil i am gonna write that down i'm gonna use that work that is <laughs> that is the reply to work-life balance yeah Work life. And, and that level of integration is going to look different for everybody, depending on where they're at in their career and where they're at in their life. Right. But if you can be okay with the level and today with, you know, my, my whole office is in my pocket with my smartphone. Right. And, it, mm -hmm. and every business is 24 seven. So, um, but if I'm okay with the level of integration that I've got, um, then that's, that's what I need from a well-being standpoint. You know, an example is, I think that's the case of the smartphone is the greatest um, scourge and the greatest benefit of, of technology of being able to, to be at your desk, wherever you're at, whether you're on vacation or in bed or wherever. But I even go back to talking about that work-life integration. My wife was a teacher. Um, so I, I would get up and I would go to work and, you know, we get up to work six o'clock in the morning and I would have the flexibility. I'd come home and I'd take the kids to school in the morning. And she gets off early because she's a teacher and she'd have the kids in the evening. And I'd figure out, I, you know, coached uh, all of my kids in sports at some point because I had that flexibility, but I would work before or after uh, taking them to school and before or after uh, coaching them. And it's like, I think I was a good father and I worked 60 hours a week, but I figured out how to balance it out. And we had a lot of family fun time and I didn't say I couldn't do that or I couldn't work because I did those things. So way easier with a smartphone, but you could, you could do that back in the day when my kids were growing too, without the smartphone. Well, and, and, and even doesn't that come, even doesn't require you to be self-employed or, you know, the leader of your company, we all have to integrate now provide work life integration. 
uh, for our team. And even COVID showed us, forced us to think of some of that more than ever. But, um, you know, if you're a listener and you're uh, like, and, and I have, I have area managers that are just like, I cannot sustain this pace any longer. Right. And so, but they have family vacations coming up and this and so, you know, and they want to shut down, but it, it, it is not about that one for one it because it, it'll always creep up it'll feel so bad after you go away for a week it's just a tidal wave that'll hit you you have to find what works for you and i appreciate what neil you're saying is that it's all different and but uh but it is something that's now through the entire organization you know and i think that's a really good point of as an employer <clears throat> um now if if i'm talking about uh the crew leader or the crew member that gets here at six o'clock and loads up in his truck and goes out and works all day and gets back here at four o'clock and clocks out. That's difficult to provide that work-life balance because he has to start and work hard and stop and then go home. But for our managers, I, we've always had this policy of, if you need to go to the dentist, if you need to take your kids to school, if you need to do these personal things, you can do that in the middle of the day. I'll give you time, but you need to balance that back. You need to integrate that back. And I, I think that's really, really important that we create the understanding and the belief of our managers that they can and should do that. And it's not a choice of work or home life. It's integrating the home life and being very, very flexible. You know, this whole thing of, you know, a number of our folks worked from home a majority of the last year. And we're getting back to, we want people back in the office and there's a lot of collaboration that happens back in the office, but oh my gosh, everybody that's got kids, if you need to work from home because your kids are going to the doctor or sick, or you got something going on, I don't think we're ever going to get to hundred percent working from home, but we're going to be very, very flexible. And that's been really, really cool to say, Hey, you can be a parent and you can do your job as a manager and admin person. And we want you in the office, but you know, you can work Part from the office and part from home and make that balance and make that integration. And us, those employers that are sharing that and making that aware are going to, we're going to rise to the top a lot faster. And um, it's not meant to be something that is, you know, taken advantage of, and you could have clearly defined expectations, timelines and understandings of this, but you got to talk about it and be aware and, and have the empathy if that's the scenario or whatever, or flexibility, whatever the answer is, but integrating that in. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of articles coming out right now about what the new world is, what uh, employers should look like um, coming after this post-COVID thing and the flexibility and, and the results. And I've got people on both sides of the fence that I talk to out in different industries that love the work from home balance, find we're productive and others that said, please get me back to the office as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's, that type of flexibility is uh, a real competitive advantage, um, you know, in this war for talent that we're experiencing right now, because, you know, if it, a lot of companies are out there saying, well, we'll provide the best retirement or the best vacation. And I was just reading Gallup's state of the American workforce, 93% of employees say that their employer gives them paid vacation. That's not, that's not a compelling reason. Everybody has it, right? Um, but only 50-some percent are saying they're getting the flexibility that they need um, in their, their workplace. So you can cut out half of employers, since that's a top job perk that, that employees want right now, when you're competing for talent, if it's something that you can offer. And, and I would think the middle manager roles of our industry offers a lot of that. And that's sometimes uh, unknown, right? That, that, that there is that kind of flexibility, but there's, it's a create your own role. Um, you, you could feel like an owner of a team or a portfolio and, and you know, and you, could be, you could think of lots of roles, I think in that midline or, uh, and leadership roles within our industry. And so, um, I hope we've got to poke focus those. those that yeah. Around and I, I think that's something, um, and I'm sure, you know, most of you all have seen that as well of this has become a great industry as a second career for people that, um, you know, we have several of our managers that, um, had careers elsewhere and they got tired of sitting in a cube and tired to, uh, you know, attached to a computer and we're very technical. And so do, but the, the ability to, spend some time working, whether it's your home office or your office office, and then going out and driving a job site and meeting with a customer and having that not be a special event, but a part of every day. That, that is, I love plants, 
but I love getting out of the office and I love meeting people and I love walking job sites, whether we were talking about roofs or, or fences or whatever, but that is, I think, a inherently unique thing about our work is none of our work happens at the office. So we need to get out of the office to do our job right. And that's, it's fun to get out of the office. So what were those critical moments that you found uh, in, in your career that gave you better integration, right? Is it a, a key hire? Was it just a scale, a size of business? What, what, when did you sort of notice like things were providing you that I like, I'm using this integration word too. You're right, Bob. Yeah. This is way better than that balance word. So, <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I think that integration piece of, uh, when my, you know, I, I've been in business 20 years and my oldest uh, son is 31. So I had kids as an employee, as well as uh, uh, young children uh, as an entrepreneur. So I had that flexibility back in the day. I worked for a, a great employer that provided me that flexibility. And I think it's kind of inherent in our industry anyway. Um, you know, talk about, I've always believed in, you know, I think it's a dangerous word when you say, I, I'm going to invest in this because I need it. And sometimes you say investment means I'm, I want to buy or hire or do something or other that I can't justify. So I'm going to call it investment. But we have always believed that growth is good and assumed that growth is going to happen and prepared ourselves for growth. So I would like to lead with resources as opposed to wait till I'm floundering and I need to quickly integrate resources. So um, as our company grew, um, I did just about everything in the early day and the bigger we get, the less I have to do because I have the ability to um, um, delegate uh, work out. But as we have grown, we said, you know, I think we're getting close. I think we need to you know, expand and hire another manager or we need to uh, look for another piece of property to open another branch. We're always thinking ahead of being prepared for and making those investments in growth before uh, we blow up and have to panic and do that. So, you know, that personal flexibility came from not being afraid that uh, assuming that I had to do it all and I can, couldn't afford to do that, we've always grown into the investment, especially in staff and people, um, that we, we, we are nothing without uh, people and I can only do so much, um, but you gotta, gotta trust yourself to, to invest in those, those people resources. It's kind of gutsy too. That's like, that's probably a little bit, well, I mean, I guess it depends on like what your risk tolerance is. Right. But like, Bob, you strike me as a guy that has a pretty high tolerance for risk. So that probably felt pretty natural, like leading with those resources or were they pretty measured or maybe not? Well, and, and, and again, maybe people think that I, I have a high level of risk tolerance. Um, I don't necessarily know I do. And I guess what I'm saying is if I hire another person, it doesn't mean if I don't grow, I'm going to go out of business. It means that it's going to encourage me to grow into them. Um, you know, maybe it's going to be a, a, a short-term profit hit that I need to grow back into, but I like that challenge of I'd rather hire somebody a little bit ahead of when I absolutely need them and, and give myself encouragement to grow into them as opposed to wait till I need them and then I'm scrambling to try to survive because I'm overwhelmed by too much work within my current staff. So, um, I, I don't, I think it's almost riskier to not invest in your people resources. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> I no, I agree with you. I just think it's, um, I always think it's cool to hear like the perspective of people that like that, that do lead like that you do, because it's, I don't think it's necessarily an intuitive thing for um, maybe some new business owners, right? They're always, mm -hmm. they're always trying to grow it either themselves or, or like you said, take it on as they're it's, it's very reactive instead of proactive. Um, but cause it seems scary, like hiring somebody and not giving them enough work or having enough for them to do, or like they're going to leave you because they're bored. You know, that's, but that sounds like an interesting challenge to your point. Right. You so. know, and maybe the way to, to look at that is I am shocked today when somebody calls us or uh, asks for a bid or accepts a bid and you know, what, what's, you know, what's the issue with your current vendor that you would, uh, like us to improve upon, you know, and you, you think, oh gosh, they don't mow the lawn very well, or they prune my bushes horribly or whatever. 90% of the time, it's, I have to manage their landscape. 
I, they, they won't return my call. I've asked them to spend my money and they won't give me a proposal back. So I'm thinking if I keep investing in people that will answer the phone, that will produce a bid, uh, that I will sell more work because people are, people are asking to spend money and my competition is not fulfilling that need and they're losing work because they don't have people to fulfill those needs. And it's, it's all about service and you can't serve without people. Is it, uh, isn't it the saying that you said a couple of times in, uh, in some of these speaks is just don't, what is the saying that you use? Just don't suck at the landscape part. <laughs> Sometimes we get so focused on, I am so proud of how great a job we're doing, or I'm going to spend, you know, 12 hours today of really making sure that my team's doing a good job and I don't return that phone call. And I don't care how good I'm doing. If I don't return that phone call or I don't make that phone call before he has to call or she has to call me, um, we get really, really focused on how good a job we can do maintaining and installing and forget to talk to our customers. They expect you to, to finish the job. They expect you to plant the plants. They expect you to mow the lawn. And they're surprised when you call them proactively. They're surprised when you answer the phone at six o'clock at night or get right back to them. Um, yeah. My business partner who's operations focused struggled with that for the longest period of time. I didn't say it, we suck. I says, don't suck. <laughs> but the difference between an A and an A plus gets you nowhere on the landscape part. The communication part's where you, where you shine. I, uh, and, and I just came out of a meeting and, and talk about like having to recenter yourself. We had to go to a, a I had to go to a client meeting where it was a little bit about that. Like, Hey, we need a stronger relationship here and we can get over, you know, that weed wasn't pulled, but I need this from, you know, your manager and we've got to really move this in a direction. And they're a very, you know, one of the big auto groups, right. And so they're very technical, very processed. And that's different than some of our clients like, yeah, yeah. Just take care of it. Thanks. Appreciate it. They, they, they really, they put you through a process. And so it's adapting and learning that, but that relationship is, you know, it's an industrial site. And so they're not saying this has to look amazing, right? This is just, just keep up with the function of it. And so um, I've used the saying in, in the most positive way to your point, right, Bob, it's not, not that we suck. It's just don't, right? And then, but, it, but it's always followed up with the relationship that you create. You don't have to be a horticulturist and know every plant. They don't worry. You know, they're not going to test you like that. It's just about how well you take care of them. Interesting. So, Bob, oh, um, so just kind of flipping the conversation a little bit when you talk about investment, um, I noticed that there's a, like a lot of focus on sustainability in your company. What, what are you, what's, what's your, what's your key things that you're excited about? I mean, cause it sounds like it's relatively new, right? Ish. Or well, what's, what, you what know, makes you honestly, um, Oregon uh, being on the left coast, if you want to call it that we are probably more <laughs> progressive um, and environmentally focused than a lot of the country. So I think the uh, environmental movement, I want to call it, um, has been here for decades. Uh, we probably started um, somewhere around 2006 and 2007. Um, realistically, I think where it became more mainstream here is uh, when Al Gore wrote that book. Um, and what was even the name of that book? Um, uh, yeah, why, why, you know, um, and also, <laughs> you know, people say, hey, what are you doing? You know, no, what, what, what's your... truth. Yeah, that's what yes. Um, and that, you know, sustainability kind of got invented at that point. And we said, wow, people are never asked us about, we do commercial and they really want it to look good and they want it to be affordable. They're not really focused. And all of a sudden that movement got started. And in Oregon, it's probably got started sooner of their, uh, their investors or their tenants were asking, of, what are you doing um, to, to uh, positively impact or negatively impact uh, or to reduce the negative impact? So uh, about 2006, seven, um, we started on this process of we need to have an answer to that question. And it's been a, you know, 15 year process and will continue on forever of how do we, landscapes are inherently the most uh, environmentally uh, positive piece of a commercial property. But what we do to maintain it has some negative impact. So we've tried to figure out how to promote the positives and lessen the negatives we're not organic. 
we're not all battery, we're not all electric. You know, we, we still use gas powered products. We still use chemicals. We still use fertilizers. We still use water, but we use less of all of those things and in ways that are less impactful to, to the environment. And it's been um, fun and rewarding. And as I talk to people, it's like, oh, my customers don't care. Well, you know what? It's coming. Um, and I've always had the philosophy of, if I believe it's coming, I want to be out ahead of it. And am I an environmentalist? I believe I'm an environmentalist inside. You know, I was a Sierra Club member 40 years ago as a college student. Um, but realistically, my sustainable focus is most because I don't want to, uh, I don't want to miss the boat and I don't want to have somebody be leading that charge. I want to be the leader in our industry and I believe sustainability is coming. And I believe if you don't believe it is, and if you're afraid of it, you're going to become, um, you're not going to be a part of the plan down the road. You're going to, you know, you have to play this game. Um, not for environmental concerns as much as because that's where the market's going. So what, what are the biggest things that you've found to be a success um, in the sustainability world? Like if you're playing that game, like what, what have been your best plays so far? Probably the best play has been our work in water conservation. Um, surprisingly, Oregon, um, you know, Oregon is a considered and yeah, rain used to have, how was the weather when you were here, Brett? <laughs> um, yeah. It rains in Oregon, but we have a fairly unique climate where it rains for six months and it, we have a dry, a relatively dry shoulder season, but basically from um, the 4th of July through October 1st, it doesn't rain at all. So we have heavy irrigation usage in the summer. We don't get the thunderstorms that you get in other parts of the country. Um, and because we're environmentally focused, new sources of water are almost unavailable. So water costs have risen dramatically and water conservation through smart irrigation control or upgrading components um, to reduce people's water usage. Most of our customers spend more on their water bill in the summer months than they spend on the maintenance bill. So it gets their attention and there's great ROI water conservation. So it, it's great when you can do the right thing for the sustainable movement and save people money or have it not cost anymore. So that's probably been the biggest piece. Uh, we work really, really hard in managing our chemical usage. And um, a lot of it is not that we've gone to eliminating our use of chemicals, but evaluating the chemicals that we use and using the least toxic and the least in, environmentally impactful, and then using the least quantity of them that we can. Um, an example that we used to twice a year spray all of our lawns for broadleaf weed control. Well, a lot of our lawns had three or four weeds in them. And it's like, how about if we went out there and spot sprayed those weeds? And we're finding that we have 70% broadleaf weed control chemical use because we're spot spraying as opposed to blanket spraying. Um, you know, just stuff like that of trying to figure out how you can tweak as opposed to eliminate. And every year we use less water, our customers use less water, we use less chemicals, we use a new chemical comes out that's less impactful. Um, equipment, uh, all of our large equipment is propane now. And you know it's still uh, generating carbon, but it's 20% less carbon and there's nothing other than carbon dioxide released. Um, we're experimenting with battery equipment. Um, I'm more skeptical of that's the right way to go, but that's I think gonna uh, happen legislatively anyway. Um, um, so we're testing and trying everything. Um, there's not something that somebody said, Hey, have you tried this? Yeah, we have, and it works or yeah, we have, and it doesn't work. Uh, and we're monitoring. So who's driving those decisions in your organization then? Is it, is it you that's like being like the advocate for this? Or did you like super inspire like your, your managers below you or even like down the I, chain. I will give credit back about that 2007 or eight. Um, we uh, were uh, pursuing a uh, somebody who was graduating from Oregon State, um, Corey Peterson. He's now a branch manager for us, and he coming out of college. And many of the uh, college graduates that we've hired over the years, that's been a one of their motivations of getting involved in this industry is the the sustainable focus. And I think it, one of the things that put us over, we're kind of seeing that coming and said, hey, Corey, uh, we're going to hire you on and you're going to have a dual role, but one of your roles is going to be our sustainability coordinator. And uh, he came on board and had lots of energy and excitement and drove that process. And it's 
throughout our organization today, but we made that commitment and had somebody that was passionate to his core for that and helped lead the charge. And um, um, I'll, I'll take a little bit of credit for hiring the right guy and professing that that's the direction we need to go. But, you know, it's pervasive. There's been a lot of great ideas that come throughout the entire level of the organization on something that we could do different or simpler. So, um, but I'll, I'll give Corey Peterson the plug of, he, he gets credit for starting it here. Well, that, I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's honest though. Right. I mean, but I think that's actually probably a better Testament as a scalable way to run a larger organization because you can't do it all yourself. Right. You probably lose your mm -hmm. mind. And if something were to happen to you or like um, if you just decided like you wanted to ease off your workload, then that initiative goes away pretty instantly. Like I see, I, 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 I've worked in mid-sized companies, right. In my career, you know, and like a lot of initiatives are either driven by the top and once that person say that, like that one person's not in the safety meeting, for instance, like all of a sudden, like the entire culture changes and that like everyone's like shoulders relaxed, conversations change. No one takes anything seriously unless if that one person, that one champion for that say safety initiative is there. So that's why I'm just curious because like your organization is pretty large. So there's a lot of opportunity for like that kind of lax behavior, unless if you have a really strong culture around that stuff. So that, that's an interesting thought, and I, I don't know if I've ever even put this into words or even thought about this, but um, I, I get um, occasionally some grief for, I'm an idea person, um, but I'm pretty lousy at follow through, and um, kind of the joke around is I'll come into the room and I'll wave my arms with a really great idea, and then I'll leave, and people are going, well, crap, now we have to do that, but one thing that I've found is when I come into the room and wave my arms, I will find somebody in the room that likes that idea or, oh my God, now Bob's talking about this thing that I've had an idea about. And now I'm searching the room or searching my managers to find a champion. And then they can take it from there. An example of that. This year, we had one of our customers say, hey, I'm interested in enhancing pollinator habitat uh, on the landscapes that we manage. What do you know about pollinator habitat enhancement? And it's like, well, uh, yeah, we're all, we're all over that. So, so I reached out and within our organization, I found um, a recent college graduate who had done some uh, pollinator work at Oregon State and one of our managers that was very, very motivated in that and, and Corey, um, uh, who's did, and those three have created a pollinator habitat uh, uh, philosophy, a, a structure, uh, projects that we can help. Uh, and I think that's really, really cool of, that's one thing that I've learned is don't just wave your hands and walk out is wave your hands with an inspiring idea and find somebody that that's most inspired and let them raise their hand and run with it. And that that's been a really, really cool way to um, that wouldn't happen if I wouldn't have waved my hands and it definitely wouldn't have happened if I would have nominated somebody that didn't raise their hand. Well, and recognize that, you know, not knowing those people specifically, but it sounds like the story of these are young professionals within your organization. So a big testament to some of the best ideas can come from people that join your organization or you find or are new to it. Right. And so, well, you know, and that inspired Corey to join us and that inspired a lot through his career to grow and develop. And, you know, the people that are involved in the pollinator habitat initiative, that's the, probably the funnest part of their job this spring. Um, you know, maybe it was five or 10% of their job, but boy, that those rewarding pieces of giving somebody responsibility um, as opposed to, you know, one of the things we've learned on internships um, is as opposed to having them come in and check us out and, you know, two weeks in installation and two weeks in maintenance and, you know, two weeks in irrigation, we bring them in and give them a project. What can we do that needs somebody that's smart and motivated um, that's going to take 12 weeks long. And um, we want to test their skill and ability and give them individual decision-making responsibility and not just be a part of a crew because an intern is not going to become a really great crew leader. Intern's going to become a great manager and they need to learn how to process information and make decisions. So um, right now uh, we have two interns with us this summer that are doing water conservation plan studies. So we where it's something that we are selling to our customers you know, in trying to help improve their water conservation is we're gonna go out and do a thorough evaluation of their property and give them proposals on where they can have good ROI on upgrading their systems. And it's really cool is 
we spend a week with them, getting them set up for that in the beginning of the season. And they're off on their own and they're making decisions and demanding their schedules. And they're working with our managers that know the properties to, you know, aim them the right direction. And it's a pretty cool internship that they're going to spend 12 weeks learning and studying and making decisions and being in charge. And how do you guide, so where's the mentorship come into play then? Or is it like your team that just comes around those people or are you, are you walking them through like you, with your experiences or do you kind of let them run and fail? How does that, how does that no, we, work? This is the second year we've done that and we've developed a really, really good program. And here are the things you need to look for. And, and the manager that's managing the program gives them an outline of these are the things that you need to go out and evaluate. Um, and we, you know, we spent them through, we spent a full week um, with, we have a water manager that, that supports them from behind the scenes. And one of our branch managers, uh, David, uh, put together the program and he spent almost a week with them in training them uh, to get them ready to go out the door. So we give them a lot of effort, but it's not like we're leading with a leash all the way through the 12 weeks. We spent a lot of time with them up front. And right now that, you know, one of them's been on here for six weeks and the other one's been on here for three weeks and they're 100% independent at this point. And that's oh, that's really pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun, huh? Have yeah, you had it? Uh, sorry, go ahead, Brett. It, no, I I support that that thought. It's just a creative way of really engaging in, in coming out of uh, school with just even the thought, like I just want to try this, right? And they're given that autonomy to try and and push it a little bit. And I'm sure that's matching the right person through the interview process. Is this person going to be successful here, or is this person more you know in identifying the right match? But um, I'm taking these mental notes because it is that creativity because how many internships do they get just lost on a, on a crew? And before you know it, that person's like, well, I really just need you to go do work. Cause I, you're direct hours and I need bill. Hour, right. Like that's not how an intern ever should be, should be thought of. Hmm. Right. That's, do you have any good ideas? So this is, well, this, I guess this is year two. I would imagine that it brings some renewed energy to your team as well. If you have a really dedicated and passionate, like young person or like person who's like about to graduate or in a college, that probably brings a different dynamic to the team. Is it generally positive? It is. Uh, I think if you go back to the historical, uh, get them in and put them on a crew and, and do all that, we, we had to manage them and it was like, Oh God, I, I have to, I have to manage the intern this year um, to, uh, now they're ha actually helping and they're doing something or other. And um, I, I, I think it's, it's a better experience for them and they're more accepted by the organization because they're in actually helping and doing something or other and doing something they're passionate about. So uh, that, that's been a very, very positive thing um, for their experience as well as our organization's experience of them. Do you, do you find that you can fill that funnel for interns pretty well since it, so it sounds like a really comprehensive program. It sounds like if I, if I were like, go, go back to my college days, I'd be like, that'd be a really attractive offer. Right. Because like, that sounds like a lot of responsibility and fun and like, kind of like the real experience that you're looking for when you're looking to like graduate school with like some reasonable, like real work experience and you're offering that opportunity, which is cool. So do you find that like your funnel for interns and applications for that is significant? It, it, it's kind of hard to say that um, without having NCLC and without having the mm. ability to go on campuses, the last two years filling internship positions when we've had these intern great internship opportunities, we haven't been in contact with students as well. Um, so I, I'll be curious to see how that plays out next year when it's a more traditional uh, recruiting year. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a good thought. Come on, Neil, let's you and I go there. We'll just intern for the summer up in Oregon. We'll just... <sighs> Be the best damn interns you ever had, or the ones that, or the ones that are just like, where are the those guys? Washouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah Did those guys show up to work today? No, no, no. I think they're at the beach still. Sorry. The, the only thing I heard going for me is that you don't need to know anything about horticulture, and that is 100 where I'm at. So, hired. <laughs> You're in. Hilarious. Cool. All right. Well. um Bob, I don't know if you have anything else on your mind or heart that you wanted to share, but I think we're wrapping up here. So um, is there anything that you want to talk to talk about or anything that's on your heart? Um, I, maybe the only thing that I would say is, is I, you know, going back and, and looking over my career that, uh, you know, back to this whole thing of this work-life balance. Um, I, 
really believe that I have gotten way more out of my um, volunteer or community or industry involvement than, yes, it's a lot of work and it's a way to give back, but I am much of who I am today uh, for every time I've stretched myself and put myself in a position of volunteer joining a committee, whether it's on NALP or OLCA or my Chamber of Commerce or Rotary or whatever, um, I look back and I very much uh, encourage my managers to uh, try to figure out how to have this work-life integration and you need to do something rather other than work and other than manage your, your house and your family and, and step up. I really, really be people, you will, you will be enhance your life and your career and your pleasure if you step up and you lean in. So I would encourage anybody, um, figure out and find the time on how to do that. You're going to be a good role model for NALP in that one. And, and, you know, I'm sure many people will be able to reach out to you and you've always been open to talking to people and sharing what's worked for you and, and how, and, and the, again, we've said this many times, the great thing about this industry is we, we share a lot. And so, um, you know, the, I think it was earlier back miles, you said like, you know, people, are you willing to take the risk and hire somebody, but knowing the business isn't there. And we've got case study after case study and ideas or people to connect with to say, it's not that scary, but here's the steps you should be thinking about or doing, or it can be done. It's these, these aren't the impossible thoughts. It, it's just, how do you make it a part of your business? And, uh, many times over we've all done that and we'll hit a plateau. We'll have to rethink it. And one way that got us to this far means it's a different way of going forward, but, um, Bob's company and many others, it's just, there's a lot, a lot out there that can be shared and learned. Bob's got a great LinkedIn too. So anyone listening should uh, go ahead and follow Bob on LinkedIn because, uh, it's, 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 it's entertaining and it's also informative. I appreciate the post. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm giving all my secrets away on a week, on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. That's what it seems like, <laughs> but it's cool. Um, nice. So, uh, we'll wrap into Rose and Thorne here. So Bob, Rose and Thorne is pretty much like what's going on well in our personal or professional lives. And Thorne is what's not, um, we round robin it. So, uh, I don't know who wants I'll, to I'll go. I've got tons okay. of roses coming out of vacation. Just nice. felt more relaxed, felt more focused. That time away, that integration time is uh, is essential uh, to come back to work and with a smile on your face, especially before the 4th of July or after the 4th of July. And uh, um, with our family schedule, I'm able to be part of some of our morning uh, routine, which, you know, maybe comes as a thorn a little bit sometimes after what you see to what piece, but it's just, uh, it's appreciative to be engaged a little bit more than I could in different parts of the year. So, um, thorn is just, uh, is just making sure we're all pointing in the right direction, you know, and that continuous effort that requires just to keep everybody focused and we're all in together and, uh, you can only change what you can control and, you know, just keep focused. So that, uh, I'll quickly turn that to a rose, hopefully soon. <laughs> and yeah. If I could go next, and I, I actually got to get on the uh, uh, the executive committee call. It's uh, just started a minute ago. Um, I've had a lot of time, but I'd like to try to sign off. And um, my, my roses is, I would say, I, I'm surrounded by a tremendous group of passionate people. Uh, passion is a part of our culture, and um, I, I just can't get over um, when I wave my hands in the room, I can find somebody that's going to take, uh, take leadership in doing something or other. So, you know, my, my roses are, are the people that I'm, I'm surrounded by. Um, and my thorns are um, getting better, uh, being able to get out and, and travel again. Um, I just got a little bubble up here. What are your potential travel plans uh, if we can't uh, fly to uh, New York tonight? <laughs> so my thorns are uh, if it isn't COVID, it's dang weather that will keep me from traveling. I better be able to get uh, to see that concert tomorrow. Night. <laughs> it's not a far drive. You probably yeah. could. I'd say you're right. Forget the call. Get right on the car. Head over. <laughs> well, thanks, Bob. All yeah. right. What about you, hey, Bob? Neil? We'll catch you later. Thank you yeah, so much for joining Bob. us. Yeah, Thank you. Care. How about you, Neil? Well, uh, I'm going to ride the weather train here and <clears throat> talk about my t first double digit training run tomorrow, uh, for my marathon prep. So tomorrow's 10 miles and, uh, physically I'm excited environmentally I'm concerned, but, um, 
I'm looking at a forecast of like uh, two inches of rain and gusts up to 40 miles of wind. So I guess um, we, we measure everything in splits when you run long distance, which is the first half versus the, the second half. So one of my splits is going to be pretty slow and uh, <laughs> potentially I'll have some nice tailwind for the others. So Blind, that, right. that's the rose, but uh, yeah, this week there's not a lot of other time available. So it's tomorrow on the rain. That's where I'll be. Doesn't these moments actually allow you to go buy like really cool rain gear? Like you've always been look, you know, if you're a gear person, I love gear. Like, just, oh, I need that really cool running rain jacket. And, oh, this. And I don't know. That, that's really can be turned into a rose pretty quickly. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm i uh, headed out with the windbreaker that I own. But, uh, maybe you can send me some <laughs> windbreaker on my for back next time. Yeah. yeah. How about you, I guess, I guess, yeah. Um, so for me, Rose has been, uh, my brother's actually in town this weekend. That was cool. So he hung out in DC, had a good time with him. Uh, got to watch the fireworks on the mall. Um, the madness that it, that is, uh, just a lot of people, but it's awesome. Very pretty. A plus fireworks would recommend doing it once in your life. Um, for like nine minutes of fireworks, but you know, it's cool. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, thorns. Thorns are just um, uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm just a little tired. A uh, lot of a lot of meetings. And you kind of get to that groove of like where there's like a lot of meetings and good things happening, but uh, when you actually get down to like your day to day work, sometimes that goes off to the side and you, the the day goes away and you're like, what the like? I didn't actually get anything done. <laughs> you did, but you didn't. You know what I mean? So like, um, that's that's a bit of a thorn because it's just like trying to fi- figure out that balance and. <clears throat> being uh being very defensive with my time you know um and, and protecting that and i did not do a good job of that this week so it's a little need to bit call of... you gotta call bob back after this and say come on bob some more inspiration please because yes exactly find the, find the integration exactly exactly yeah so but there's a lot of good things happening so i'm really I, I'm, I'm feeling good it's just uh yeah can't really complain so uh also i like i, I shared um I shared the post that went up on our uh, Instagram page, our NLP Young Professionals Instagram page. I just posted on their story, like the conver- the podcast that we uh, recorded last week. Um, I got like a lot of really positive reactions. Everyone's like, whoa, look at this. Like, like just, I don't know, got a lot of good responses and just like, we're just doing our thing here, you know? <laughs> so next, next week we'll teach Brett how to use Instagram. Oh, I know how to use that. I mean, that's, that's just fight look at photos and like stuff and that's easy right that's no do i post no no i don't do that right jen Jen asked me if i was on instagram a few weeks ago and i said i think so but i'm not positive so that's all right well uh, there's a future if we if there's a listener that would like to come on and talk about how to leverage instagram this clearly we will need some support in that call. This so, is support we're there. really engaging the young professionals like aspect of this podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. On. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i'll hold down the fort don't worry i got you guys there you go I'll, I'll stay i'll stay in the leading on the leading tech edge you know perfect thank you i find joy in that so We'll actually have like one person that's who's young at heart on this podcast. No, I'm young at heart. I'm just not young. <laughs> it's just not young anymore. Right. So there's, I, like Bob said, Bob, the way that Bob lives, he is a, he's a, he's a young professional all day long. Right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Bob's right. Awesome. So, but right. But yeah, I mean, the number does clearly says no, not the case, but when, <laughs> Uh, 1987 is when you started uh, in the industry. Like, yeah, no, you've you've crossed over the young professionals path there, Bob. A couple of years ago, <laughs> good dude. Glad to have him as a guest. Yeah, me too. And um, clearly a busy man when he's like, hey, thanks, gotta go get on the uh, NALP uh, exec call. We gotta we gotta go get some stuff done here. Back to back meetings. Boom. It's the only disadvantage of Zoom is that it's so easy to chain meetings. This is a little bit of a rant, but my gosh back-to-back-to-back meetings just like no one apologizes i mean just does it (laughs) and it's just like no who does that in the office you don't do that in the office you don't say like oh yeah we'll just roll into this roll into this it's like we'll take a break you know anyway we got to get you back in the office miles we got to get you back in the office no i'm 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 good i'm good (laughs) we're good anyways um good seeing you guys a big thank you to our listeners don't forget to subscribe subscribe leave review leave a review and uh, 
yeah take care see ya all right <laughs>